Welcome to episode four of the New Renaissance Bookcast with me, David Lorimer, from the Scientific and Medical Network. Each episode, I review one or two significant books across a number of disciplines, including science, health, philosophy, spirituality, psychology, ecology, and politics. My first choice is the Oxford Handbook of Psychology and Spirituality, edited by Lisa J. Miller. This is a landmark volume, especially given the fact that it has been published by one of the world's leading university presses. It forms part of the Oxford Library of Psychology, a series designed to review major subdisciplines with breadth, comprehensiveness and exemplary scholarship. It also combines a searchable online facility. Significantly, though, only two of over 60 contributors are from outside the United States. In her introduction, Lisa Miller remarks that the handbook is at the cutting edge of an expanded psychology that directly addresses the broadened set of ontological assumptions and the view that spirituality is fundamental to the human constitution. In one sense, it continues the work of William James <coughs> after a long diversion by taking the human mind as part and parcel of a living spiritual reality which leads to an expansion of psychology by a Copernican magnitude in the direction of post-materialism, a science beyond the limitations of exclusive ontological materialism and mechanism. This takes consciousness as fundamental and the fabric of reality. Miller argues that post-materialist spiritual psychology can live alongside work conducted from a materialist perspective, adding that, quote, Materialist science merely needs to make its assumptions clearer as it sustains a vital place abreast work conducted from other ontological contexts, end quote. The word merely, though, is a big ask, even if the limitations of materialism are becoming more evident, at least to authors of this volume. Significantly, the author organised a student lecture for some of the contributors at Columbia University Teachers College, and when they entered the largest available theatre, they found it full to overflowing. Later, students remarked that this is the post-materialist education that we want. The old scientific models feel dead to us. I already assume a spiritual reality. Most of us do. So now what? We want to learn from this perspective. Miller concludes that the science in this handbook shows our universe to be alive, guiding and so very sacred. The scientific perspective that all consciousness is one and sacred may reawaken our appreciation of living beings around us, all life. The volume consists of 10 parts with 38 essays. There are sections on epistemological and ontological assumptions in history and culture, personality and social psychology, spiritual development in relation to family and culture, prayer and intentionality, mindfulness therapies, physical health and spirituality, positive psychology and spirituality, the brain and spiritual experience, then sacred consciousness and healing in terms of a post-material spiritual science. Each chapter contains an abstract, coverage of its area, suggestions for further research, and extensive references. All this expands and redefines the philosophy and psychology of spirituality and religion. 
One of the essays in the first part is very useful in spelling out theoretical and epistemological foundations for the field, with an emphasis on methodological, epistemological, ethical and ontological metaphysical presuppositions. This is an excellent analytical piece about what the authors call positivistic naturalism, and it is interesting to note that the corresponding ethical assumption is primarily instrumental. The essay on good and evil in religion contains some interesting work on core virtues, moral foundations and value categories across a number of different traditions, contrasting self-transcendence with self-enhancement, love with hate, selfishness with service and empathy with self-absorption. The paper on religion and altruism could have brought in the seminal work of Pitarim Sorokin, written up in The Ways and Power of Love in the 1950s. In the context of my other work on character education, I found the essay on spiritual development in adolescence of great interest, as well as another on spirituality and positive youth development. The last essay provides a framework of developmental assets for young people and a useful definition of spiritual development in terms of connectedness, meaning, purpose and contribution. Clinicians will find a great deal of interest in the volume, including essays on spiritually sensitive psychotherapy, spiritual aspects of Jungian analytical psychology, and transformation of Eastern meditative disciplines into Western psychotherapy. There is good coverage of positive psychology and spirituality, as well as the role of spirituality in relation to resilience and positive emotions. The section on the brain and spiritual experience contains an essay by Andrew Newberg on transformation in brain structure and spiritual experience, neuroimaging and spiritual practice by Maria Beauregard, and the psychology of near-death experiences and spirituality by Bruce Grayson. All three are well worth close reading, as they are the result of many years of research and reflection. Bruce refers to the NDE as posing an inescapable challenge to the materialistic model of mind-brain identity by asking how complex cognition, sensory perception and memory can occur under conditions such as cardiac arrest in which physiological models of mind deem it impossible. In the final section, there are contributions from Stefan Schwartz and Larry Dossi on non-locality and healing then an extensive and quite technical paper by William Tiller on knowledge, intention and matter, where he distinguishes between the knowledge pathway of logos as physical science and mythos for what he calls psychoenergetic science. He draws on a great deal of research, adding information and consciousness to the physical equation of mass and energy. Gary Schwartz provides a thorough analysis of materialism and the mind-brain problem and evidence pointing towards the separation of mind from brain in relation to experiments and experiences for survival. A greater spiritual reality with consciousness as the key, he argues, will require a revision and expansion of psychological definitions of mind, its operation, limitations and potential, probably in terms of building on the William James filter model. However, Gary is also aware that the politics and indeed the social psychology of science make progress in this direction challenging. Amit Goswami covers some of the same ground, highlighting paradoxes and anomalies of materialist science and concluding that scientific materialism is not a valid metaphysics for science before advancing his own view of a new science within consciousness. 
ethics, he states, will be built on a metaphysics that fundamentally recognises the interconnectedness of all humans, which I myself argued in my book Hole in One from 1990, shortly to be republished as Resonant Mind. In her conclusion, Lisa Miller returns to some of the themes raised in her introduction relating to a broadening of ontology and articulating a post-material view where human science sees human mind as an extension of the fabric of universal consciousness, a consciousness-driven science. She writes that the fact that consciousness exists in states other than matter expands our notion of the human brain and is the linchpin of post-material psychology. Consciousness is in us, through us, and around us. Taken as a whole, the volume is a powerful argument for an expanded ontology in psychology, and I hope that it will be avidly read by students and younger psychologists in the field, so as to encourage them to become part of the necessary expansion and transformation of the discipline. General readers will also find a great deal of valuable material, although they will be more drawn to particular essays in terms of their own special interests. This is truly a landmark and potentially revolutionary volume that deserves the widest possible readership. My second <coughs> choice is related to the first, and it is the Wiley Blackwell Handbook of Transpersonal Psychology, edited by Harris L. Friedman and Glenn Hartelius, Wiley Blackwell 2015. In the last issue, uh, just now, I reviewed the Oxford Handbook of Psychology and Spirituality, published in 2012. This equally important handbook was published a couple of years ago, and together they map the overall field very effectively as essential reading in the overall discipline of psychology, where the transpersonal approach has been neglected by the mainstream as inconsistent with its largely materialistic philosophical base. With over 50 authors and 38 chapters arranged in six parts, the volume is as comprehensive as feasible. There are introductions to transpersonal psychology, transpersonal theory, transpersonal methodologies, transpersonal experiences, transpersonal approaches to transformation, healing and wellness, and transpersonal studies. Readers can dip into individual sections, while serious students will want to study the whole volume with its extensive references. The first part helpfully defines the field, with a summary definition in the initial chapter. Transpersonal psychology is a transformative psychology of the whole person in intimate relationship with a diverse, interconnected and evolving world. It pays special attention to self-expansive states as well as to spiritual, mystical and other exceptional human experiences that gain meaning in such a context. Another helpful definition defines the field of study as phenomena beyond the ego as a context for an integrative, holistic psychology that in turn provides a framework for understanding and cultivating human transformation. The reader will note the emphasis on transformation which is entirely absent from mainstream psychology courses based on analytical and statistical Cartesian objectivity. Mike Daniels provides an informative overview of the roots, history and evolution of the transpersonal perspective, presenting his own model based on three vectors or metaphors of ascending, descending and extending, the last providing a social dimension. 
With my interest in metaphysical frames of references and assumptions, I was drawn to the contribution by Harold Wallach, who begins by stating bluntly that transpersonal psychology has had no structural impact on the mainstream. His own approach is to reinvent the transpersonal enterprise as a science and culture of consciousness, going back to William James and Franz Brentano. He provides a very useful characterization of the third-person mainstream approach. With an acute awareness of pervasive presuppositions, he goes back to R.G. Collingwood. He is fully aware of the problem of objectivism and also of inner experience in relation to epistemology and indeed ontology. Resistance to expanding the materialistic frame is prevalent, he argues, because a paradigm and a theory is always stronger than data. His own proposal is a complementarist model of body-mind interaction, without arguing for the primary of either consciousness or matter. This seems to me a promising approach. The relationship of transpersonal psychology to the existing mainstream is a recurring theme within the volume, with some people, like the co-editor Harris Friedman, arguing that the only viable approach is empirical in terms of outer and inner senses. From this viewpoint, he's highly critical of the philosophical work of Wilbur and Laszlo, which he sees as grand closed systems, drawing on too many supernatural and metaphysical concepts. It is true that these are scientific philosophical contributions, but at the same time they provide new frameworks within which scientific ideas can be analysed. Moreover, as he himself admits, science cannot be free of underpinning philosophical assumptions. For him, science is an empirical endeavour limited to the study of the physical and natural, namely the phenomenal. This means that he treats non-duality as a metaphysical concept, and I'm not sure that meditation researchers would agree, as the whole point is to try to correlate inner experience with empirical measurement. He advocates abandoning the focus on transcendence as non-scientific, and while this reduces the scope of transpersonal psychology, he sees this as unavoidable if it is to remain scientific. In addition, he regards it as a necessity for conceptualization to postulate a Cartesian split between knower and known, which is precisely disputed by Jorge Ferrer and others, putting forward a participatory approach, also featured in this volume. Friedman regards his middle-range transpersonal psychological theory as consistent with William James's radical empiricism, which is the case if used epistemologically, although the deeper question is the relationship between epistemology and ontology. <clears throat> Are there ontological realms beyond the physical? Many transpersonal psychologists, also in this volume, would answer in the affirmative. For instance, Douglas MacDonald specifically addresses philosophical underpinnings of transpersonal psychology as a science, pointing out that the subscription of science to naturalism slash materialism, rationality and linguistic slash semiotic representationalism, tends to reduce transpersonal phenomena, such as spiritual experiences, to biological mechanisms, quote, which simply do not conform or do justice to the real nature, quality and significance of such phenomena, end quote. Wilbur puts his finger on the essential issue when he writes that once you have translated the world into empirical measurements and numbers, you have a world without quality, guaranteed. Other writers advocate a mixed-method approach involving both quantitative and qualitative data, 
MacDonald himself questions whether ontological materialism is in fact a requirement for science, as proposed by sceptics writing on what they call pseudoscience. In a shortish review, it's impossible to convey the full richness and diversity of content in this volume, but it's worth spelling out some of the themes covered with great authority. There are contributions by Stan Groff on his 50 years of transpersonal research, as well as on altered states of consciousness by Charlie Tart. Alan Vaughan writes about the relationship between Jung and transpersonal psychology, while Alan Coombs describes the contribution of Ken Wilber. Les Lancaster examines neuroscience and the transpersonal, while the methodological section includes neurophenomenology. Transpersonal experiences are also comprehensively analysed, including psychedelics, NDEs, transpersonal sexual experiences and parapsychology. The extensive section on transformation and healing addresses mental health, meditation, somatic therapies, hypnosis, dreaming, expressive arts therapies and psychospiritual integrative practices. The final part on transpersonal studies covers such areas as eco-psychology, feminist psychology, transpersonal social engagement, transpersonal medicine, the arts and transpersonal education. Each of these is a rich theme and every informed reader will find their own focus and point of expansion in this volume, summarising the field with extensive further reading. <clears throat> My final choice is I, Reality and Subjectivity by David R. Hawkins, MD, PhD. And this is a book that came out of Hay House in 2003. This is the most brilliant and extraordinary book I've read on the nature of subjective reality and the spiritual path. About three years ago, I reviewed a previous book by David Hawkins, Power Versus Force, having been encouraged by friends to read it for nearly 10 years, and I found the book a revelation. This one is the third in a trilogy, where the second volume is entitled The Eye of the Eye, and I bought it at a recent Beyond the Brain conference. The book mixes narrative texts with answers to questions and articulates essential spiritual themes with remarkable clarity and lucidity. An important item of background information is the calibration scale based on muscle testing developed by Hawkins which effectively positions people, ideas and emotions on a scale of one to a thousand, although there are aspects of reality well beyond that. He explains that muscle testing provides a wormhole between linear and non-linear realms, as well as giving instructions on its use. He also gives some background about his own spiritual development, going back to early childhood and demonstrating direct insight into the states he later describes. His distinction between linear and non-linear is a good place to start, as the ego and ordinary mind operate within a framework of form, duality, polarity and opposites, while the non-linear spiritual dimension, analogous in some ways to quantum physics, represents the formless, timeless and non-local. He explains that the source of the universe and all existence is an infinite potentiality that is formless and in an innately infinite power. Out of the supreme unmanifest arises the manifest universe as linear and non-linear realms, 
Form has locality and duration. That which is formless is non-local and outside time. Later, he adds that form includes the formless as its substrate and is not separate from it. The eye of the title is the radical subjectivity of the state of realization or manifestation of the unmanifest as the self, capital S. Critically, the self becomes known by identity, by being it. Hawkins's argument that God can be known but not proved, which distinguishes between the direct and imminent approach and of the mystic and the dualistic approach of theology, searching to find proofs of the existence of a transcendent God. However, the self is its own message, and truth can only be realised, not explained. Enlightenment is defined as the linear observed from the context of the non-linear. This transcends the experiencer, observer, witness, and even awareness. Enlightenment, he says, is the revelation of the self when the illusion of the reality of a separate self is removed. In the ordinary state, the ego is the content, whereby the God-slash-self is context, while the mystic knows, experiences and identifies the self as both context and content, that is, context is the content. Science is the authority of a linear domain, while the mystic is the authority of the non-linear domain. The cap self slash God is the source of consciousness and our own experience of subjectivity, and, paradoxically, consciousness is revealed as impersonal. Consciousness is defined as radical subjectivity that transcends personal identity. The process of witnessing removes the personal illusion of awareness. The self is the source of life and the subject of awareness of existence, and it can only love because that is its essence. Love is not a quality of God, but God's very essence, also implying allness, oneness, and the illusion of separation, which is the basis of the ego. The self is the ultimate teacher speaking through divinely inspired prophets in every age. Hawkins explains that the powerful teacher can catalyze the transformation of information into subjective awareness. His or her aura is a carrier wave, so their teaching is on two levels, as the carrier wave accompanies the teacher's words and is a quality of the presence as self. Hence, the true teacher does not identify with names or titles, for there is no person present. This formulation is very similar to Bainsa Duno's statement that it is always God who teaches, while the function of the teacher or master is to act as an instrument and demonstration. In his own case, there is no name on his grave, only love, wisdom, truth, justice and goodness. Spiritual work is essentially letting go of attachments to thoughts, positions, opinions and memories. In other words, deep surrender is the core in all pathways, whether of the heart, mind or action. This represents dying before we die, and the process is explained whereby everything has to be recognised, then released and surrendered as an impediment to the clarity of the unobstructive awareness of the self. 
Attention should be focused on the process of letting go. Surrender to God is surrender to the truth that nothing other than ultimate reality is permanent. All that arises in form passes away. Just like the ego, our collective life is shot through with duality, opposites and blame, rather than responsibility. But everything is interpreted from the position on the spectrum. Kindness can seem a weakness at a lower level. And Hawkins explains the different roles of Luciferic and Satanic energies in relation to the higher and lower chakras. The media provides a good snapshot of collective consciousness by exploiting emotionality and sensationalism to elicit sentimentality, indignation and outrage. In fact, this is an invitation to reactivity. An expanded context gives a more detached view and the spiritual aspirant is encouraged to give up judgments, expectations and sensitivities. Indeed, the language Hawkins uses about himself is third person and without an immediate sense of agency. His sense of self includes context and content, and action originates from the entire field. Here he has very interesting points to make about linear causation, which tends to ignore the complex overall context in which everything arises. For Hawkins, there is only one consciousness. There is no distance or space to traverse. In addition, he writes, there is no doer of actions. The actions are the doer. Actions and self are one and the same. There is far more detail in the book than can be articulated in a relatively short review, but I hope that I have conveyed some of the flavour and depth of insight with explanations of subjects that are usually hard to put into words. As a culture, we find it challenging to bridge the gap between the linear reasoning of the mind and the non-linear reality of spiritual truth, and we are constantly trying to reduce the latter to the former. When deep understanding comes from the opposite direction, where the linear is understood in terms of the non-linear, and individual consciousness as an expression of the universal divine mind, which is also divine love. Serious seekers will find their understanding of spiritual reality immeasurably enhanced, as well as finding valuable advice and guidance on the essential spiritual work of a human incarnation. In my next episode, I will be discussing two books on metaphysics and spirituality. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Okay.